Hello, and welcome to Cody and Grover have a podcast, a show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. But this week on the show, it's time for another Cap Chat. I'm your host, Corbin's Vocal, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite person to chat with, Cody Webb. Cody, how are we doing, man? You're great, man. Yeah, great intro from you. Really appreciate that shout out. But uh, yeah, it should definitely be a fun one. Uh, this is kind of episode two in this sort of series that we're doing. And I did like the first episode a lot. And uh, just to preface as well, I may be coming from a weird camera angle if you're watching us on YouTube. And uh, well, that's mostly my fault. And as well, um, I'm a little bit tired. So I don't preface that as well. So if I say something stupid, that's probably the reason why. But um, it should be a good episode. I'm excited. As, as opposed to usual when Cody says stupid things when he's, <laughs> he's perfectly awake. Uh, but yeah, exactly. I'm excited. This week we are doing our second ever Cap Chat episode. We've got a very special guest. The episode, the day this episode is airing is the Saturday after Thanksgiving, which means it's also college football rivalry week. And, you know, in honor of the Purdue versus IU football game and also in the spirit of the holiday, we wanted to welcome this to the show an Indiana University alum, Christian Steiner. Christian, welcome. How are we doing, man? Doing good. Predictions for the game Saturday? You know, for those who don't know, IU set a record this year in football. There's only one Power 5 conference team that has 700 losses, and that's IU. So, feeling good. Somehow they beat Michigan State by only completing two passes. So, who knows? Maybe they can only have one against uh, Purdue, take back that old oaken bucket. I don't even know why people care about it so much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's in Bloomington though, right? So maybe the uh, the old Crimson Faithful will will come out strong. I, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> I'm really excited to do this episode, though. We are throwing it back once again to our first episode of May Mania, which was season three, episode eleven. We did a cap chat with our man Luke Manning. Shout out to Luke. It's a great episode if you haven't heard it. But essentially, the way these things work is. I've got the blockbuster movie game that we always use for our, we have a pod rhythm category and another part of the game beyond just having movie cards, there's cards that have prompts for an example, movies with a number in the title. So what we'll do is we'll draw one of these cards and then we'll each go around and name a movie that fits into that. So we used that number card for our last one. I think we said 1917 and seven as two of the examples for that movies with a number in the title and district eight as well district nine <laughs> district nine, district nine. Great movie. <laughs> there it is they're just stupid but yeah yeah good movies <laughs> after we all pick a movie that we want to talk about we're just going to go around and discuss each of those movies separately it's super open-ended the idea is kind of just like follow the rabbit hole completely it's unprepared unpremeditated we're just talking movies just a couple dudes having some fun uh, chatting about some movies. We start with a movie and uh, we'll see where we end up. Cody, are you excited for another one of these cap chat episodes? Yeah, absolutely. I think this format is super fun just because it is, you know, off the cuff. We're really just, you know, shooting the shit here, as you would say, and uh, having a good old time. And I think kind of uh, that's, that's where we can excel at times is when maybe we delve off into just some random, you know, topic and we talk about that for a little bit which this is definitely a great format for. So uh, yeah, like I said, off the top, I'm super excited. going to be fun. Christian, you're, is this your podcasting debut? How are you feeling about that? 
So, I mean, I know it's my podcasting debut here, but oh, you you've been around. Did have to do a podcast for a class, <laughs> if that counts. Academic. That's better than this, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's got much a, higher quality. Uh, not as much, but well, <laughs> oh, I don't. It was sophomore, so I, I kind <laughs> of like I've forgotten. I've forgotten about what I talked about. Equally, <laughs> equally great uh, in content and in the people involved. I'm excited. I'm excited to have Christian here. Like Cody said, this is a very relaxed uh, podcast. I'm breaking out the, uh, the Simply Lemonade, uh, Lemonade Seltzer, not a sponsor yet until we get them. Uh, yeah, but we're just going to be, we're going to be having some fun. So uh, you guys ready to get into it? Let's do it. Those, those are great vibes. Awesome. Before we do that, we got to shout out, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, uh, check out our YouTube, Cody and Corbin have a podcast. We do also have a Twitter uh, but yeah, we're posting a lot of stuff and it's at cat podcast, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I'm going to draw the first card movies with the word and in the title. <laughs> wow. So everybody take a second and think of what the movie you want to do is. And uh, then we'll go around. So I have my answer that I immediately thought of. And then I have something that would probably make for a better conversation. So I have two answers. Well, uh, let's hear. What what do, what do you got for us, Christian? Okay, I don't know why, but uh, first thing I thought of when I heard movies with the word "and" was Marley and Me. So oh. I saw that when I was like six or seven. Owen Wilson's in it, right? Yeah, that's a good thought. It's a good thought. I believe a dog dies. I completely forget about the rest of. About what goes on in that movie so i'm gonna change my answer all right what was the second thought have you guys ever seen let's see i'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation but Makabe and mrs miller it's a I not western. i don't think i have either. it's a western in like 1973 i think is what it was but i watched it for a class technically well i mean actually i i did a paper on it my final project for the golden age of Hollywood class that I took in at IU. But I was like, damn, it's uh, oh, it's interesting. Cause when you think of like Westerns, well, wait, it, you got to save it. You got to save it. We'll, we'll oh, get there. Yeah, we'll get yeah. there. You don't want to show your hand too early, but is, <laughs> is that, so you want to go there with that one? You want to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick similar? with that. Cause I actually have something to talk about with it. All right, cool. All right, we'll throw it over to Cody. Cody, what's your pick? I'll, I'll do a sort of similar question. Uh, my initial thought was, like, right when you said it, uh, just any sort of Fast and Furious movie. Because you got, <laughs> I mean, when you hear and, I feel like that's what you think. Mm-hmm. But uh, a little more thought. And um, I'm going to go with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Classic. Not Charlie? Well, is it, you no. said Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The original, the original. The original. Yeah. No, no Johnny Depp in your one. And then me personally, I I also thought Fast and Furious right away. I think that's the obvious, uh, but I didn't want to go there, so I, I jumped over to my letterbox just to see you know what I had most recently seen. Uh, I I did see Bones and All last Saturday, but since it's such a new movie, I don't want to talk about it too much. So instead, I'm going to pivot to a little short film that I watched on Disney Plus called Zin Grogu and Dust Bunnies, which is a uh, <laughs> <laughs> Three-minute Star Wars Studio Ghibli short film that I'm very excited to discuss with you guys. Hey, well, I, I watched it last week, so perfect. Then uh, you're you will be uh, just as prepared for for the elegance that I have to spout about that movie. 
where should we start? Uh, I don't know. I'm feeling Willy Wonka-ish. I like that. You want me to kick it off? Yeah, let's do it. Tell us. Why, why kick- did you want to talk Willy? Let's talk about that. Kicking off the episode. What an honor. Um, I mean, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I think in general, um, it's like an all-time classic kids movie, which we don't get that many these days. But within the kids movie, like there's actually some cool like uh, you know horror elements. Obviously the the ride they go on and the music it's kind of freaky. But it also has like this fancy element at the end, which is very cool. And it, it does a good job world building at the beginning. You really invest in all these kids, even though you know they're all kind of assholes. And then when you get to the end, and you know Charlie's passed all the tests, you're kind of just thrown into sort of, sort of the fantasy of it all again. When he goes in this you know elevator that goes flying. I don't know. I think this movie just really stands the test of time. I feel like especially, maybe not even for our generation, but like the kids who grew up on this movie. Um, and I was one of those kids who grew up in the movie, even though it was like released in the 70s and like Gene Wilder is about as young as I've ever seen him. But um, yeah, I just say like this stuck so hard in the culture of like guys. It, it's something to still be impressed by today. And uh, I think it's an all-time classic. Uh, also, just don't eat you know anything blueberry because of that movie. Um, and uh, I mostly stay away from chocolate rivers too, but yeah, all in all, great little flick. Good advice. My question is Has anybody here read the book? Not, no, yeah, not <laughs> much readers didn't expect that. Yeah, this one is actually interesting because it, I watched it for the first time because of this show. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we did the uh, defeat the watch list segment, and, and this was actually the first movie we ever did. To be honest, it was all right, you know. I think because I didn't see as a child and I was actually exposed to the uh, Johnny Depp monstrosity instead. And that was kind of like my touching point. uh, I would say it doesn't have the same impact that it did have for you, Cody, you know, very early on. Definitely some really cool stuff. It being, it is like a pretty interesting movie for the late seventies or I guess early seventies. Gene Wilder is pretty good in the role. Curious what your guys' thoughts on <laughs> curious what your guys' thoughts on or whether or not you have to be a good singer to be Willy Wonka. <laughs> Christian, what do you it's think? Do you have to be a good much singer? Debated. Uh well before I answer that question, it's kind of like I can I can relate to that where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was the the one with Johnny Depp was the one that mm. I saw first. So Oh, it's a terrible childhood. Yeah. <laughs> We're children of the 2000s. Yeah. I was five when that movie came out. I was negative 29 when this one came out. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, the, the memory that I have that sticks out was just like, wow, this person's really chewed gum every single <laughs> hour of her, <laughs> just like the entire time of her life. I was like, hmm. the gum behind the ear was definitely like a big uh, cultural touch point, I feel like. Of course. But anyway, you know, I've kind of like blocked some of that movie out. So, but, you know, if you're going to sing, you should be a good singer. I think. I think, and um, obviously Timothy Chalamet has been like mm-hmm. recast of that. And I, I don't think like he's the best singer or anything. And another interesting fact I, I do want to throw out there, that's Corbin was hating on Gene Wilder a little bit. Um, I read that he would only sign on to do the movie if, in his opening scene, he could hobble out on a cane and then at the end of it, fall down into a somersault and say, welcome to the chocolate factory, which I think is a great provision to have in a contract. But uh, 
Yeah, Gene Wilder, that's like a all-time performance from him, I think. Probably his best. Just want to shout that out to him. When I was a kid, every year at my elementary school, they did something called a, a fall festival. I don't you know, you guys probably did something similar, but a big thing within this fall festival is that there was like a lip syncing competition on the Friday nights. I know this is going to be cringy, but we're going to get through it. So they did the, it was like a whole weekend festival, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Um, but the one night there was the big performance and every year the fall festival had a theme. So, you know, it might be decades or the beach or what have you, but each class individually would have a performance that they would do. And then if you were as a single person wanted to do your own performance, you could pick your own song and go up there and do it. And there would be costumes involved and it was quite the event. You could, you know, do groups with your friends. You could go up there, but one year they did a, like a candy themed, I guess, essentially. So I think my classes group song was like the lollipop guild thing song for, uh, is that from the wizard of oz right but me and a couple of my friends we sung we, we lip sync sang the uh oompa loompa song we did had like orange face paint and bright green hair and uh yeah that was uh that was my childhood in a nutshell at a private catholic school where we did things like this sounds about right it was fun times i did a few performances over the years one time i did like a when i was very young i did like a harry carry take me out to the ball game uh rendition is it's probably like a first grader good stuff the ramones a little ramones performance one year <laughs> that sounds cool Do you have, uh that could be the video of the week if, we if it was on youtube those. it would be a great clip of the week but i don't know if we have access to the footage it might have been burned <laughs> I might, in a horrible have to, fire. Uh, might have to hit up hit up your mom and get those VHS names. So I want to see that footage. <laughs> I, I just wanted to share that anecdote. I hope it doesn't make you think any different of me, guys. It's, it's too late for that for me. So Adds depth. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it makes a lot of things make sense. To me, in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like 2005 version, mm -hmm. do you guys remember like a, like a childhood trauma, Willy Wonka storyline kind of deeply embedded in that? which I think was a strange choice because that's not really in the uh, the original version. I, I actually don't even know. Uh, I, I, I honestly don't think I've seen the Johnny Depp one like all the way through. Like I've seen <sighs> maybe a scene or two, but I have not like actually like forced myself to watch that abomination. So. I, I could be misremembering, but I, I do remember that he had this like weird thing where like as a child, he wasn't allowed to eat candy and his dad was like a dentist and it, it, mm. it was very traumatic for him and it caused him to be a crazy candy man. Yeah. I, I definitely remember that too. Uh, <laughs> at first I thought you were going to like go and ask if there's something about that movie that caused childhood trauma for us that watched <laughs> it. And I was like, well, I guess now, now we can segue into that. Was there any childhood trauma with this movie for you guys? <laughs> no, it's more like, why is this person turning to a giant blueberry? Yeah, in in theory, I mean, blueberries that is tra traumatic. True, yeah, it does a little bit trash. And um, I mean, in theory, like technically, none of these kids, you know, perish. But I mean, I, I saw with my eyes a few of them, like definitely on this, like the brink of death. So I, I would say like they're disabled. It, it should shake a little bit. I feel like, yeah, you know, it's mm. sort of like a the message: oh, don't eat too much candy, or you know, you're going to turn into it, sort of that sort of thing. So <laughs> it didn't personally scar me. 
similar question, but I, I, it has those undertones, I think, where it easily could. Should Willy Wonka be canceled then, Cody? Is that what you're saying? Well, if Timmy, Timothy Chalamet's playing him, definitely not. You know, everybody loves that guy. <laughs> if Shia LaBeouf is doing it, probably. So, yeah. <laughs> It's all, it's all how you want to look at it. Well, Johnny Depp was Willy Wonka, so if you think about that. If he survived it, probably anybody could, honestly. But that, was, that was like prime Johnny Depp, too. Everybody still liked him back then. <laughs> That's true. People did still like Johnny Depp in 2005. That was mid-pirates. My, my last question to you guys is, what is the story of the timothy chalamet movie like what's your guys's pitch for it or where do you see them going with it and start if that's all right yeah go ahead let's uh get olivia wilde to be the director and then get, like it. we'll uh somehow find a way to fit shia labeouf into it maybe midway through timothy chalamet gets taken off and replaced with harry styles and <laughs> that makes more sense that's a that's a better recast there's a better yeah. comp there than the shia labeouf to harry styles <laughs> Both Shia LaBeouf and Harry Styles. It could be like sort of they're uh, going against each other as well. Like they're they're almost fighting over Olivia Wilde. I, I think that'd be perfect. How is this a Willy Wonka movie? <laughs> Where's Willy Wonka? <laughs> Olivia well, Wilde is Willy Wonka. Here's something I do predict. <laughs> I would like to see that too. <laughs> Willy Wonka will have a love interest in this movie. Do you guys agree? Only if it's uh, Saoirse Ronan or Zendaya. Zendaya. <laughs> I tell you what, if it was a Greta Gerwig directed Willy Wonka movie, I could get behind it. But alas, I don't think that's happening. With this bizarro gender swapped Willy Wonka pitch that I'm doing, let's go ahead and make Jason Sudeikis the love interest. Naturally, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> that's, just, that's just rubbing salt in the wound, really. Yeah, let's have Jason Sudeikis there and then Willy Wonka, Olivia Wilde, just like making out with Harry Styles right in front of him. Makes makes for some good content, right? Cody, do you have anything to top that? I, I can't imagine that you do. I don't think so, honestly. Like that that sounds like peak entertainment to me. So Well, coming to a theater in uh twenty twenty three, check that out. Olivia Wilde's Willy Wonka prequel movie. Let's move on and uh let's talk Zen and Grogu. So Christian, you've seen this, I've seen this. Cody, I'm just gonna take a guess and say you probably have not seen uh this movie. Yeah, that, that is correct. And I'll start off just just preface something super quickly. This came out, I don't know, like what, a couple weeks ago, a week ago. And um, the first pod we did on it, or I mean, the first pod after that, Corbin very, very politely said, this is terrible. Nobody watch it. So, <laughs> so you know what I did? I didn't watch it. <laughs> so I blame you. But uh, I do want to hear you guys' thoughts on it because uh, it does seem pretty interesting. But yeah, I'll, I'll take the back burner on this one. Well, Cody, you know, I say don't watch things you don't watch them. I say watch if you don't watch them. So it doesn't really matter um, whether or not I told you otherwise. The thing is, it is only three minutes. So I could just force you right now to just watch it. But uh, again, like I told the people, don't put yourself through that pain. The reason I wanted to talk about it is is for the same reasons that I brought it up last time. I do think it's pretty bad. I think it's kind of just an atrocious piece of capitalistic trash to be entirely honest. And uh, I would like to see if Christian has a different thought before I continue on with my tirade. Christian, what are your thoughts on so, Zen, Grogu, and Dust Buddies? I need to start off by sharing my reaction to finding out that Studio Ghibli... Maybe should, should we explain what this is for the people that don't know? Yeah, go ahead. Just give us give a brief explanation because I don't really... Nothing happened. I was like, right, right, what did yeah, I just yeah. watch when I finished it? I so. should get a, a good plot summary pulled up too. Because 
there's a lot there's a, be two sentences <laughs> there's a lot that goes down <laughs> i don't have a ton of research on this but essentially studio ghibli which you know did spirited away princess mononoke a ton of other you know classic films right animated films has paired up with lucasfilm to create this three-minute short film called zen grogu and dust bunnies it's three minutes and it's very simple animation it's essentially grogu floating around with some little dust creatures it's really more of like a stepping stone for future collaborations between studio ghibli and lucasfilm lucasfilm has begun to go more and more into the world of anime they did a whole uh season of a tv show uh do, what was the title of that christian do you remember uh Focus or star wars i it was something uh, i i watched jedi story visions star wars yeah, visions star wars visions oh uh, that too yeah you know as big a star wars fan that i am i only watched like two episodes and after the second one i was like it's cool but it doesn't really add anything like you're just giving me 15 minutes in a separate world and then it doesn't go anywhere i just watched the first two episodes and then didn't watch any more of visions because i was like it's just wasn't it but it was cool to see like studio trigger uh and other studios like that get their chance to do star wars so hopefully like you were saying with with uh studio ghibli that it could lead to future collaborations because like you know if i don't know how big you guys are into anime but uh you know studio trigger does good work so yeah the, the cool thing about visions was that every episode was its own studio getting to basically do their own like 15 minute 15 20 minute short film in mm-hmm. the world of star wars but it's not canon so basically they had the opportunity to literally do whatever they want i watched the first episode and i actually thought it was really sick it was super stylistic it was, it was this basically like a, a samurai jedi thing definitely a reason why they made it the first episode and then i got like four minutes into the second one and, and didn't watch anymore like you christian um yeah. i mean one thing i can say is that second episode is very studio trigger because uh i don't know if you guys have heard of like kill the kill uh guru and Logan. it's like mm-hmm. a bunch of over the top crazy shit that's studio trigger and i was like this this is studio trigger feel so yeah so again this short film just released it's three minutes literally nothing happens like it's basically in my opinion in in my estimation it is created for the purpose of people to talk about it and to get clicks on a website like there's no real story to it in any way like i, I just don't think it's good like it's just not interesting like i wish if Stuley give like give them like a at least five to six minutes and like actually make a real story with like structure and something that happens and it's not just like this weird not even grogu looking creature with some stupid dust bunnies Cause like even it's just not even like it's like a baby short. You made something for babies. I don't know. It's sad. Yeah. And, to, uh, the th- and the thing is, Studio Ghibli has done so many like some of the best, greatest told stories in animated films. So it's like really disappointing when you have that name plus Star Wars. I'm just kind of disappointed in both a little bit. True, but maybe maybe it is like that stepping stone, like you said, where there's like sort of forming that relationship um, it is a little bit of like how do we work weird, together though. across countries you know how do we build these relationships like i get that is important and it's like a test run but it just sucks yeah, that but, we couldn't have done a little better 
I feel like for such a small project, there kind of isn't a need to like, oh, highly publicize that this is coming out other than just like, oh, we collaborated with the studio, which is awesome. But I feel like, oh, do this test run and then, you know, go on to the bigger project and talk about those because it kind of just seems not necessary. But yeah, I'm kind of just confused on on why it was such like a big press release too. Yeah, to uh, kind of piggyback off of this is like me and uh, one of my friends from IU, when I saw that on Twitter, I sent it to him and then both of us are like, oh my God, Studio Ghibli, Star Wars, what? And he's like, this isn't real. I'm like, it's real. And just, uh, you know, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, just like classic animated films like that. Such a high bar. And then I saw that they were like, it's going to be about Grogu. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then it was like Grogu and Dust Bunnies when I saw it on Disney+. Plus. I was like, three minutes, I'm going to watch it. But it's like, it's not what I had in mind. I I don't know if you watch the like I am Groot five little short films though those were all about three minutes three to four minutes as well but the thing is they released five of them and each one was its own little story at least like it was it was Groot getting it up into like you know mischief or or whatever and you know he's obviously not he's it's baby Groot so it's not he's not really thinking or anything but like he's he's just you know having fun and this was a 2d drawing of Grogu with some dust and at least like with the Groot stories, we got a well-rendered animated Groot running around causing havoc and it was cute and it was fun and you got five of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I definitely understand. It, it's just like the most underwhelming thing I feel like they could have produced really. Hopefully bigger things come. Yeah. If, if I think about it this way, like get out my laptop, open up my laptop, log in, pull up Disney Plus, it loads, search up Zen, Grogu, click on it start watching it it may have taken just as long to get it pulled up <laughs> to for it to finish like is it i just don't know if it's worth the effort so just don't watch it ever again i know but here we are talking about it you know but now i'm definitely never gonna watch it just because you're hating on it so much i have a personal vendetta is this a new form of torture where it's like clockwork orange we just have someone watch grogu dust bunnies on repeat with <laughs> eyes open you know, Cody, that should have been the other, uh, next time I make you do an episode by yourself, it's going to be, you watch Grogu and Dust Bunnies and do <laughs> a shot by shot breakdown of that one. <laughs> do a half hour analysis of, of Grogu. That, that would probably break me a little bit. That, that's probably a better project. I mean, think to do a half hour on it, you would have to dedicate oh, yeah. 10 minutes to every 60 seconds of the, the actual product. <laughs> that probably actually would be just a shot by shot. <laughs> frame by frame analysis I, I love it uh does anybody have any final thoughts on on grogu and dust bunnies anybody excited for the future of, of grogu in the in the disney plus tv show universe grogu's cool but we still don't really i don't know he gave up be well i don't know if people have spoilers for book of boba fett but it came listen i didn't watch it because honestly it was pretty bad and i'm a huge star wars fan but i i, I will watch it eventually but at Let's this just point, say it if came you decide out. to it watch it, like yeah, it, it, if you decide to watch it, you can skip everything that happens with Boba and just watch the Mandalorian episodes because there's like two or three episodes just dedicated to the Mandalorian, and you can pick up enough of the pieces just to get through the monotony of 
what the beginning of book of boba fett was but it's like as soon as the mandalorian shows up it's like all right this one it gets good and then it like kind of comes together but it did give me one of the most memorable scenes from star wars where i forget his name but one of the uh like half cyborg human people does like the spin before he shoots at a opposing bad guy so i was like why did he spin who knows we're still figuring that out to this day Cody, I'm going to come back to you and ask how the Mandalorian watch is going. But when I watched Book of Boba Fett, that first episode, if you want to like show somebody an example of what directorial style and distinct directorial style looks like, you can show them the first episode of Boba Fett because it is, it is so Robert Rodriguez. Literally so much that Mina and I were watching it and she was like, this CGI character like looks like something from Spy Kids, like this weird monster. It looks like that level of kind of like cheap 2000s CGI, but in a Star Wars thing. I was like, yeah, because it's literally Robert Rodriguez, the exact same director. So if you want a distinct style and what that feels like, and, and honestly, it doesn't work for a lot of those Boba Fett episodes, uh, check out Rodriguez's work uh, in Boba Fett. Cody, how's The Mandalorian going? <laughs> it's coming along. I believe I'm on episode seven of season two. So really not too much left. I could probably knock it out in a, in a night or two here. But um, I, I do know like what happens at the end of season two, sadly, okay. <laughs> just because, you know, Twitter and everything. But uh, yeah, I really like the Ahsoka Tano episode. I, I think that was the uh, second to last one I just watched. And that one was pretty sick. So season two, I've enjoyed a lot. Nice. Let's move on to macabre and mrs miller Mm -hmm. christian go ahead and take it away tell us about this because cody and i don't know anything about it so you know in i'll just preface this by how i came across the movie and uh one of the for my final paper i honestly don't even necessarily remember exactly what like my topic was i guess i just remember i watched a movie for it but it was because i took this class called like golden age of hollywood too which took us all the way up from watching my darling clementine all the way up to we watched uh the new it was the new charlie theron movie that was based off of a graphic novel it was like the old guard old guard yeah, yeah. and so like we were going through it was kind of it was pretty cool because we were going through these different eras of film and watching a movie from it but how i came across it was in the 70s it was kind of like talking about you know like a good counterculture going on you know uh another you know big like the movie that we watched for that kind of era of movies was uh the graduate which is one of my favorite movies i've ever watched but he would give like a bunch of these different films when he was going through his lectures and i remember seeing that and i was like looked it up and i was like it's interesting but pretty much what macabre and mrs miller to give a brief synopsis of it is you know, you have Macabre and Mrs. Miller. It's it kind of like reverses the roles of what a traditional Western is. You know, when you think of a Western, you know, you're kind of like big macho cowboy dude who comes into a town, solves the problems, and then kind of like leaves. You know, you have maybe like a damsel in distress kind of thing. It's have them kind of like walking off into the sunset. Yeah. So Macabre and Mrs. Miller takes place in like Colorado or somewhere like that. It's just like snowing. Washington State. Yeah, Washington State. What is different about it is like Macabre gives off this vibe as someone who is, 
you know, like a cowboy kind of thing. He comes in, he's kind of like, you think he's solving problems, but then you find out that he's not really, he's not a fighter at all. You know, he's the complete opposite of this image that you would have for a West, like a leading man in a Western. And like Mrs. Miller is the one who drives the plot in a sense, because she's the one that kind of like, she's the one that has takes action in the movie like macabre would be content with what he has and what he's built but then mrs miller is kind of like the one that drives it in a sense so it's definitely it's a interesting take on the genre of a western i enjoyed it a lot and it gave me a lot to talk about for my paper which is probably on my computer somewhere since i did that my junior year i have to dig that up but um yeah i i had not heard of it um before but i mean what you're describing it sounds very interesting just from the fact of I mean, it was, it was released, I believe, in, in the 60s or 70s, right? Mm-hmm, 1971. Okay, well, yeah, it, I mean, it's just the reverse, like, Western trope, which I think, like, those types of movies going against the grain of what's been established for forever is really dope. And, uh, yeah, just looking at the Wikipedia, it's got a good cast, too. I mean, Warren Beatty, uh, Julie mm-hmm. Christie. It says Shelley Duvall has a small role as well. So that's cool. As uh, Ida Coyle. I think that's, like, somebody famous in this year. Maybe not. But, uh... Yeah, this might be uh, one we have to stick on your watch list, Corbin, because it actually sounds pretty decent. Well, it very well might be on the watch list already, to be honest. <laughs> I, I do like that you bring this movie up. Uh, I also want to point out that it is a Robert Altman film. Not somebody that I've you know really delved too deep in, but he has done a lot of great work. Yeah, Gosford Park, The Player is one that I have seen. I actually watched that for a class. Um, and then he directed the MASH movie, uh, which is obviously, you know, a, a pretty big cultural touchstone for at least people that are much older for, than us uh, <laughs> all the way back in 1970 but my, my parents love some mash uh let's see mccabe mr miller is already on the watch list cody so it, it could Ooh. have already been chosen but you're there you go it, i'd say it's harder to find a movie that's not on the watch list to be honest but i'll, I'll put anybody to the test i'm not a big western movie guy what what about you guys do you guys like westerns i can relate to that i'm not necessarily the biggest western person either I was able to get out of having to watch the good, the bad, and the ugly for the class. I was not looking forward. Didn't want to spend three hours and 50 minutes or whatever it is. Of course. Um, No, it was just the fact that, I mean, I was kind of forced to watch the wet, like My Darling Clementine, which is like like a classic Western movie. And Macabre and Mrs. Miller is like, it kind of tricks you into thinking that it's going to be like my darling Clementine. And then it does a complete 180. And I was like, it starts off a little slow because it's trying to establish what a Western should be. And then it was like, wait a minute, it's different kind of thing. So that's why I appreciate it. Cause uh, anti-Western revisionist Western, whatever you'd want to call it. And uh, it seemed like it's kind of like what you would see people trying new things just in the seventies in general. Well, the cool thing about Westerns in general is that they are like, you talk about a golden age of Hollywood, but just like a very old genre in Hollywood. Like there's so much history of the Western throughout. Mm. Um, so there, you get to the point where people are making anti-Westerns and you've got the spaghetti Western movement. And there's there's all these variations and derivations of that original genre um, which I think is definitely cool. I think the reason I probably don't always love them and even like recent Western stuff like Power of the Dog did not really resonate with me is I just think like the slow burn nature and this like affection for like a beautiful landscape in a wide shot. 
in the American West <laughs> or sometimes in, in Italy pretending to be the American West. Just, I don't know. That doesn't really appeal to me or interest me. I, I prefer more exciting or at least more bright character driven stories rather than these like slow burn, good versus evil, mm-hmm. save the damsel, like you said, type of thing, um, which, which was maybe why I would appreciate something more like Macabre Miss Miller a little bit more. Yeah, Mrs. Miller is definitely not a damsel in distress. I can just tell you that much. That's good. And um, oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I think like subverting the genre, sort of like you were saying with this movie, Christian. But I think like sort of maybe it's just like a Western fatigue thing, because I feel like if you've seen like um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If if you and there's so many good ones, but if you've seen like the classics from that era, I feel like you don't really need anything else in that genre but like cool movies like this or like logan or or blazing saddles or they have or even like the mandalorian just have like hints of sort of the tone but they subvert the genre um i think it makes the largest thing and maybe like to rope it back even more into modern today like is there fatigue in superhero movies because there was damn hell a lot of fatigue in westerns like in the 70s so i I don't know It, it comes to that point where like you make the same kind of movie and over and over again you kind of just know what's coming in a sense but yeah no th- this movie looks like super cool to support that and like a lot of modern stuff tries to do that and i feel like most time it's like not super successful with such a like a genre that's been you know touched so many times but yeah with, it's definitely interesting with the way that our culture and our interests shift so quickly in 2022 you have, if you want to be successful in creating film, that you have to continue to innovate and, and expand upon the idea because we're getting to the point, like you said, where we're hitting that superhero fatigue and it's because we're getting the same shit. And at this point, we're getting an influx of the same kind of mid-level garbage that you know Marvel's putting out on Disney+. Plus. But at some point, you have to do something that's a little bit different and you have to you know, innovate, like you said, and, and give us the anti-superhero movie um, obviously, it's been done outside of the MCU in different cases, but stuff like Werewolf by Night is at least playing with genre and is beginning to kind of flip what we expect on its head a little bit. And uh, I do hope they can continue to do that um, or something that I've really enjoyed for the past, you know, 14 or so years is, is probably going to come to an end. Yeah. There, there's there's got to be some end point. Yeah, I think like this also just applies to any genre like uh, we were talking about barbarian the other day like horror i don't know it, it can get old for me sometimes but like stuff out of the box or you know just a couple twists and turns to, to throw you off i think it really goes a long way but yeah superhero wise i don't think we're anywhere close yet but um maybe like the, the general public is like oh i feel like i've seen you know 100 marvel movies which they probably have by now the, with the money they make you know, we're not going to stop making that for a long time. So just have a quick thought on superhero fatigue. So it's like one of the things that I do, you know, as I huge superhero fan nerd, like I, don't know, I, I, one of the things I do is I collect comic books. So for me watching these superhero movies, like I see these, the characters that I read, I'm like, Oh my God, they're doing it's like this is it's perfect and it's like even if the movie necessarily doesn't line up for that one moment where it just captivates me it's like for example black adam like dr fate that is like that pierce brosnan just 
absolutely nails the character and yes i it's like no despite how bad the rock was i like was able to look past it because i knew that dr fate was there to pick pick it up and then like for marvel you know in black panther wakanda forever like i enjoyed the movie there were some parts where i was like okay we we don't need this in it we but um everything with namor i was I was a little nervous because like Namor in the comics is, you know, this dude who wears a Speedo with wings on his feet and he kind of silly. And I'm like, they made Namor a little terrifying just seeing him fly along on his wings. just absolutely just destroy all the different like plane, like uh, fighter jets and whatnot that the Wakandans had. So, yeah. yeah. No, definitely well said. I, I'm a big, um, just like comic book person. In general. I, don't, I don't collect uh, as much as you do at all, but I completely agree. If you like see them translate like uh, a weird character, even like the Guardians of the Galaxy, something like more out of the box and mm-hmm. like just like do something creative or, or like nail the casting. I, I agree again. Pierce Brosnan, that is unbelievably good casting. Not a great movie, not really a great role, but I, I still think just like I did enjoy that movie because Dr. Fate was in it and it, it's such, such cool visuals with him in the, the helmet and everything. I 100% agree. Um, you kind of just along the same lines i think of like there's no real fatigue yet it's going to be a long long for a long time so yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool though i got fatigue what can i say (laughs) (laughs) i mean after black adam that's understandable but (laughs) it's true i think that's i think i'm still in a slump because of that to be entirely honest (laughs) and we're 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 mid-award season i'm seeing so many good things it's just making me uh sad (laughs) Well, what do we say? Should we uh, move on to the next card, guys? Well, before we do, I just wanted to share a quick thought about Barbarian because you guys mentioned that earlier. Oh. And yeah, yeah. I, I remember, so like, you know, horror is not necessarily my genre. And it's I, nobody, nobody on this podcast's genre. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so like to put into perspective, I always go into a horror movie expecting to be a lot more scared than I actually am. Like, for for example, so it's gonna be a weird story, but so I was at the uh, Big Ten men's basketball tournament, and I got to bring a friend along. And after that was over, we went back, and he he's a big horror person, so because he ended up staying at my house before we went down to uh, Bloomington. We watched The Conjuring, and I was admittedly pretty drunk, so I was like, he's like yeah you know it's a pretty good movie and i would be i had like i remember i had a pillow because like you know my friend was watching it and my dad was also watching it with us and i would just be like he's like yeah we got a we got a jump scare coming up and i'd be like oh my god and then it would happen and i'd be like that was it he's like yeah he's like that's not as bad as i thought it was so <laughs> but yeah anyway barbarian definitely i like the way that they subverted the genre I did. I had expectations with what I thought the room was going to be, and then it was not that. And I was like, I, I admit that I was pretty freaked out. Like it, <laughs> it uh, I, I know a movie is a good horror movie when I have nightmares about it that night. And I admit that the uh, monster, the mother, yeah, mother was on my mind that night. <laughs> Yeah, like she was on she was on Cody's as well, but for different that gets reasons. burned in your brain some of those some of those oranges. Yeah, it's hard to get out. <laughs> yeah, the worst one ever for me was probably Witch, 
it's like i remember watching witch and being thinking to myself this isn't too bad and then i just see the fucking goat in my dreams and i wake up in the middle of what's the his night. name what's the ghost name i'm blank black philip oh uh, yeah black oh uh, yeah <laughs> like the whole scene with the apple and um i was just like you know i was pretty good and then i woke up at like 2 a.m because or 3 a.m i was like did i really have a nightmare about that movie black philip like, was in your dreams yeah so <laughs> that's a that's a new litmus test how good a horror movie is if it gives you nightmares so i think it might be the most classic litmus test of all horror movies but <laughs> you know true. i'm also not a huge horror per- person so this point might be because of that fact but barbarian is a great example when i watch horror movies i'm almost always surprised and i almost always see something new and at least when i do see something new in movies it's usually in a horror movie because it seems to be one of the few genres that's continuing to really subvert expectations and continue to innovate because you have to find new ways to scare people and to do things that is unexpected horror is a place for young filmmakers to adapt to to come up with new ideas and it's also a genre where like the people are going to say that you need to scare us and you need to put in the effort to do it um so people are constantly innovating and going against type um and, and barbarian is a great example of that um which and that that's the thing that i love a lot about watching horror movies personally yeah, I was definitely captivated. Uh, there's nothing quite like going from the scene of Mother to, uh, I forget the actor's name, but just singing in the car. Justin Long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His character's, I think, my favorite of the movie, surprisingly. Um, just because he's such an asshole. But, <laughs> and he's so perfect in a horror movie, too. Because he'll, he'll try to do anything to surprise. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no. That was, I think, the best part of the movie, maybe. Like, that switch in pace from... Uh, spoiler uh, uh spoiler uh, uh spoiler uh mr skarsgård you know getting his head bashed in and then just directly cutting to you know a funny justin long scene i think that was really mm-hmm. cool just directorial wise too just drew the next card and it's movies by steven spielberg wow in honor of mr fableman himself mr fableman himself fresh off of uh our catch me if you can episode that's also true. I believe you just saw the Fablements too, didn't you, Gordon? I did. Maybe I should choose that as my movie. Wow, interesting. Let's all <laughs> let's all take a second and and think about what movies we want to do by Steven Spielberg. You drew the uh, you drew the wrong card. Should have been uh, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> the, the thing you've been prepping for for weeks. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's what you can. We're gonna do wrecks at the end, so you can wreck the people, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, so uh, Cody, I just finished uh, going through a Stanley Kubrick, not yeah. not necessarily marathon because I started in August and I just finished two days ago. Uh, okay, more of a slow but, burn. Yeah, which you kind of need that <laughs> with Stanley Kubrick. Oh, because he gives yeah. you a lot to chew on after watching the movies. So I'll, I'll save my Kubrick thoughts for when we get to that, <laughs> or for when oh, I can wrap it at the end. Cody, <laughs> what? movie by steven spielberg do you want to talk about <laughs> picking it off again and um i think we're gonna go another another strange pick I, i'm gonna be the sort of what we we're talking subverting you know the genre out of the box guy kind of thing. and uh i'm gonna pick ready player one <laughs> classic spielberg film from the 2010s i think uh well actually i'll, I'll just save that back now i am gonna pick the fable because uh i i want to talk mm. about it a little bit 
I know oh, you guys. Ha- I know you guys haven't seen it yet, but we'll, we'll keep it spoiler free. Okay. What do you want to do, Christian? So I was going to do Ready Player One too because it would have been a no. <laughs> fun movie to talk about. And I know it's not necessarily the best movie. People say the book is better. I haven't read the book. Probably should, but uh, it's like for me that was kind of a good bad movie. Like yeah. watching it the second time, I was like. Yeah, maybe this isn't as good as I remembered it, but I still had a lot of fun watching it because of specific moments, and I'll save it for when we get to it. But, you know, if I admit that I haven't seen as many Steven Spielberg movies as I should, but I've seen enough. Um, but, yeah, like Saving Private Ryan, definitely one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, my favorite war movies, so, and I'm not necessarily the biggest war person, so. I'd that's what uh that's the movie I'm gonna go with saving private Ryan all right well what do we say let's start with saving private Ryan Christian take it away so you know I kind of I had you know of course we all have our ever-growing watch list on Letterboxd and I, I for me when I come when I watch movies off my watch list or I'm just like going through I just get into a feeling like you know i think it's time i watch this movie and that's kind of how it was with saving private ryan and you know when people talk about how great a movie is sometimes it can be a little bit bit of a deterrent because i was like you know i'm gonna get it get to it on my own time i got to saving private on my own time and i was like what have i been missing (laughs) uh that has to be one of the best opening scenes in a movie that you can that you've had like great portrayal of the storming the beaches of Normandy. And then, you know, you got to see young Vin Diesel <laughs> and he only lasts, he's the first to go, but you know, they all died for a good cause, I guess, you know, they died, they died in the name of family. So you can have the sure. connection with the uh, fast and the furious. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just such a, touching movie that actually it really makes you feel the horrors of war but also have something not necessarily sweet but uh oh we we, it's like in a time like that in world war ii just be just the ability to do something nice for another person and uh find private ryan so it's kind of my thoughts on that just initial thoughts i guess see where the conversation takes us saving private ryan i mean I feel like we should brand it as Spielberg's best just because it is that good of a movie. But he's made so much other just like iconic stuff. I'm not sure if it is. I mean, off the top, like you said, that opening scene, it's it's horrifying and it, it sticks with you. Like, that's reinvented horror right there. Because um, I definitely had nightmares about that. But then, like, it goes into an actual really touching story about, you know, trying to save a last son and a family who's already been, you know, blown apart by his war literally but then as well like looking back on it the cast is actually it's really interesting i mean you mentioned ben diesel obviously the main the main man is tommy hanks but i feel like all the small roles are played by really fun people you got giovanni rabisi i think francis has a small role even dancing yeah kind of the cast in in hindsight paul giamatti yeah, it's a lot like cheesy. Oh, yeah. I think it would be like such a serious war movie. But yeah, I mean, this is what sticks with you. Matt Damon at the end as well. It's, it's a really cool performance. And um, I think directorially, probably like just from a storytelling standpoint, like 
this in a Schindler's list would probably be his best. But I, I'm more of like the popcorn guy, so I'd probably put like other stuff above it. But I feel like, like technically speaking, that's probably his best year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real quick thought about uh, so yeah, when they actually find Private Ryan, I admit that it kind of was a little humorous to me. I don't know if you guys felt the same way watching. It's like you're Private Ryan. Yeah. It's like. Okay, <laughs> he all died to find you, so here we are now. <laughs> it is like an ironic moment, and I, I thought it was always really funny too because I, I don't, I don't know. I think I, I watched it a little bit young, and I didn't even know that Matt Damon was Private Ryan, so it's kind of like, <laughs> like it all makes sense. So I think I saw Matt Damon like in in the top billing, but um, yeah, like that was kind of a surprise to me the first time I was watching it too. So kind of that added humor as well. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. He is the titular character. He's Private Ryan. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Never seen the movie. I know. Really I know, terrible. Never seen it. Uh, pretty rough. I do want to ask you guys a little bit of a trivia question here. Robert Rodot is the writer of Saving Private Ryan. He has a story by credit on a MCU film. Can we guess what it is? I would guess. Captain America, the first Avenger. But that's probably not it. It is a bottom tier MCU movie. For the Dark World. <laughs> For the Dark World. Star. Christian's all over it. <laughs> yes. Um, he really hasn't done a whole lot. He's written just a couple random things, Saving Private Ryan, definitely the standout. The Patriot does also come up. Uh, but yeah, from The Patriot in 2000 to Thor The Dark World in 2013, which is, again, only a story by credit. There's nothing else on here. So shout out to Robert Rodot for uh, putting together this script, though, and and uh, helping Spielberg make this one. This does seem to have a pretty fun cast. Uh, Adam Goldberg, also shout out uh, in this as well. Uh, Eddie from Friends, right? Yeah, sure. Never seen Friends either, but... What? You don't know Eddie from Friends? Eddie from Friends? I hate Friends. Friends is the worst that show. That could be the clip of the week. He is uh, yeah. he's Mike from Dazed and Confused. True. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah Corbin, I haven't I, seen Friends either, so. I mean, I've, I've seen episodes of Friends. I, I just yeah. actively do not like it. I just haven't. I mean, like, I, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone's seen, like, clips of Friends. I don't know. My mom's, like, watched it, so it would just be on in the living room with them passing by. <laughs> but I... In our Days and Confused episode, I, I'm pretty sure I called him Eddie from Friends exclusively. So he must have just been ignoring me that entire time. <laughs> well, typical stuff. You know, <laughs> Tom Hanks, what a run. I We talked about it in our Catch Me If You Can episode. He was kind of at the end of it. But in the 90s, this dude was an absolute powerhouse. Um, just a couple he of He was the rock of the 90s. He really was. I mean, he really was the rock of the 90s, but... Better I mean, where do I start? If we go 88, which this isn't, we talked about his like seven, eight run of a hundred million dollar movies, but here's just his movie. So 88, he had big 89, the Burbs, Turner and Hooch, 90, Joe versus the Volcano and the Bonfire of the Vanities, 92, A League of Their Own, Radio Flyer, 93, Sleepless in Seattle and Philadelphia, 94, Forrest Gump, 95, Apollo 13 and Toy Story, 96, That Thing You Do, 98, Saving Private Ryan, and You've Got Mail, 99, Toy Story 2, and The Green Mile, 2000, Castaway, 2002, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Road to Perdition, and Catch Me If You Can, 
And then in 2004, he's in five movies. The Lady Killers, Connie and Carla, Elvis left the building, The Terminal, The Polar Express. Sorry, 2004. But yeah, just in the early 2000s to late 90s, just incredible work from Mr. Hanks himself. Have you guys uh, seen the trailers for his uh, new film that's going to be coming out in 2022, this year, later this year? Which one, Pinocchio? It's called A Man Called Otto. It is, uh, I don't think so. it's always, pl- it comes out January 13th, which let that tell you everything you need to know about the movie. Uh, but it's basically where he's playing a crotchety old man named Otto who these new people move in across the street and they piss him off cause they're new. And then there's like a little girl that, you know, opens his heart and then there's a cat and it's just a, a great story about an old man finding a new life. And it's kind of like uh... an old guy. Grand Torino, but with Tom Hanks. Yeah, but the people are white, so it's even worse. <laughs> you just, so there's no cultural significance. Yeah, there's no cultural like significance. He just doesn't like people. He's also going to be appearing in what I think is going to be a pretty interesting movie that's supposed to come out next year uh, called Asteroid City, which is Wes Anderson's next film. And the cast for this is obviously stacked as most of his are. Just a couple highlights. Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Hanks, Margot Robbie, Jason Schwartzman, Brian Camp, Cranston, Scarlett Johansson, Jeff Goldblum, Liev Schreiber, Maya Hawk. Sounds like that legit sounds like the exact cast of uh, I Love Dog. <laughs> Ed Norton, Willem Dafoe. Yep. You just named the entire cast. That's wild. Jeffrey Wright. I mean, he's he's got his people he likes to stick with, but uh, this movie I think is actually honestly already done. Uh, it's a romantic comedy drama film. Uh, but I think they're releasing it next year. Potentially it can. So Nice. Excited for that. Yeah. Sounds Gucci. I think it, it is cool. We talked about in Catch Me If You Can some themes with Spielberg and his films, one of them being r- related to his, you know, div- his mother and his father's divorce. I'll talk about it more as we get into the Fablemans. But another thing that's very prominent is his jewish both faith and culture and in the kind of the way that plays into things it's very clear that in making schindler's list and making savior private ryan those are very personal stories to him um as a jewish man so schindler's list is my saving private ryan for you because i haven't seen it yet yep i've been it's on my list and i want to but i've been like i need to be in the right mind space to watch it because i've heard it's very I've seen that it's very heavy and it's like, plus it's a long movie. So make sure I'm not like doing anything, it's, but I'll come to, I'll come around to it eventually. Yeah. Definitely one yeah. deserving of, of the attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely very heavy though. You're not, right. You're not wrong. I, I think it's funny as well. Uh, this never happens where I've seen a couple movies and, and uh, Corbin hasn't seen one and I guess hasn't seen one. That never happens. But uh, yeah, both heavy, heavy pictures. So uh definitely need a little bit of time to just prepare yourself before going in but yeah definitely good to check out shout out matt damon always shout out benny boy too shall we move on to uh ready player one yeah you want to? yeah let's talk about it i i'm just gonna preface this and also say that i've never seen this movie either so go ahead Cody. really why do you want to, you want to talk about ready player oh one? man you should actually check it out uh that's gonna be our next picks next pick for our watch list hey but, it's uh, fun yeah Oh, it's a lot of fun. I I, re- I do like the film, a genuine amount. And um, but I wanted to say, preface it, what I was saying on our last pod, Spielberg, it, sort of he he went from the 70s all the way through like the 2000s, 
almost just making a couple classics every decade, which is utterly ridiculous. And I think the cutoff point, um, you know, when he stopped making these classics every decade was probably the 2010s. And that started off with Ready Player One. Um, I, like we said, I do think it's a fun movie. It's not his best. And there's a lot of gaping holes. But I think the cast is cool. I think just the concept itself is, is much, much cooler. That's really what carries it. And obviously it's based on a book. I, I have looked into it a little bit and it, it seems it's not really based off the book at all, very loosely. But the script, it's got some interesting Easter eggs, literally. Uh, obviously you've seen the movie. But I think overall, just like the action set pieces inside this virtual world, obviously the the car you know race at the beginning is probably my favorite scene. And then it sort of just delves into more of like a bureaucratic sort of story of like trying to get on the inside of this this global tech company. And then sort of just like the overall message being, you know, just be who you are and it, it'll all work out. So it's like the classic sort of Spielberg science fiction movie, but I just don't think it really works fully. Not, not a great explanation of my thoughts there. I'll throw it to you, Christian. What do you think? Because I think this movie, it has highs, but it also does have some lows. I, one thing that I definitely felt fatigued about when I was watching this movie was you could tell that they kept trying to push like every Warner Brothers property into this movie. Uh, or at least that's how I felt. Yeah, you and uh, but what is this, Space Jam? Two? I was gonna say that. <laughs> that uh, sounds like Corbin's gonna bring up Space Jam. <laughs> but there was Gundam. And that made me happy. Even though I had never seen Gundam, it was very cool. The references really, I mean, they're mm-hmm. uncountable almost. I feel like every, you know, five seconds, there's another just random reference they're throwing at you. So, I mean, all of those Easter eggs, just picking those up. And the more you know it, the probably cooler it is. I probably know like half of them. So I'm not that crazy in it. But, I mean, the, the legit like Easter egg counter, it's got to be over like two, three, four thousand. Like, it's got to be ridiculous. If you feel like put in the time. If you're on YouTube, people actually have gone to like every single reference in, in Ready Player One, which um maybe a very long video. I don't know if that's just gonna shut up just because it, it may waste your time. But I think the amount of work like put into every single like frame is actually ridiculous. So props there to Spielberg as well. This might be like one of the movies he's working on longest before it got like released in the theaters. So that's cool. Three guy better. <laughs> but- I actually disagree. I think my my letterbox review, I said, um, Ready Player One is what Free Guy wishes it was. I think I said something like that. And I still, I backed that today. Free Guy, overrated. See, but to me, Free Guy is better because it's like a mix between Ready Player One and- You haven't the, even seen it. The you Truman Show <laughs> and The Matrix. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic uh, cultural piece of art, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is awful and very annoying. What do you guys think about Ty Sheridan's performance in this movie? Are you guys fans of it? I'd say iffy. I think the the main female. I don't I don't know her particular name, but I think she was a little bit worse than Ty Sheridan. Maybe that showed a little bit. But you know, the kid really hasn't been doing much since you know, like the X Men. Which I feel like he was specifically bad. It's, Olivia Cook. That that name actually sounds familiar. I, I don't know. Maybe she she's another stuff. But Ty Sheridan. I mean, other than you know Cyclops. She's in House of Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is where I know that name from. Yeah, and she's good in House of Dragon. So fair to her. Uh, I take it back. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, Ty Sheridan. What was he say? Oh yeah, X Men. 
there's a specific line in um dark phoenix where he, t- <laughs> where he drops the f-bomb in that comedy that could be the clip of the week as well because that's a great scene but uh yeah he hasn't been doing too much so maybe this was kind of a the peak of his career loki which is kind of sad well it's interesting because he's been in some weird or like he's been in some interesting projects so in 2021 he was in the tender bar which a movie that just like came out early in the year it's an amazon original can either of you even tell me who's in that movie well it's ben affleck it's a ben affleck movie and it's directed by george clooney and yet nobody knows anything about it it was a weird time you know it was still kind of you know the pandemic was obviously pretty in the thick of things early 2021 um, but then also he was in another movie in 2021, The Card Counter, which is the Paul Schrader, Oscar Isaac film, where he kind of plays Oscar Isaac's pseudo son, apprentice type character. Um, he's fine in The Card Counter, I think. Um, I He's working with, you know, obviously good people, George Clooney, Paul Schrader is a classic director, but I, I just feel like some of those projects just aren't really hitting quite right. It, it, it is interesting to see considering the people he's worked with, but. I don't know. He was also in a movie called Voyagers, which looks bad. It has Lily Rose Depp. I don't think I've heard of any of those three. I mean, well, I remember the card counter, but actually, I didn't know he was in that. <laughs> Bless you, Corbin. Corbin <laughs> let out a big sneeze. That's say it is. But uh, yeah, the card counter, I feel like it was kind of underwhelming at the box office a little bit. But I do like Oscar Isaac a lot. You know, if, he, if he's teaching the ropes to Mr. Sheridan, so that sounds okay. But kind of like what you're saying, it seems like he's been just more in small market stuff, which may be a good a shout for him. Just like going in and, and actually working on his acting and, and trying to be like a more serious actor. Maybe that's a good rap for him after like a big franchise like the X-Men. There's a scene in that movie, which hell, it could be the clip of the week where Oscar Isaac like turns and looks to Ty Sheridan and he's like, do you know about this Google Maps thing? Never heard of it. Yeah, he hadn't. He was he was in prison for a while, but Tyshaner was just like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know how to work it. Sounds like great dialogue. Yeah, it's it, it's it's well written stuff. <laughs> I did get to see uh well also I will say Tiffany Haddish is in that movie and she's just like I, I like her as an actress, but she's just not really right for the role that she's playing, I would say. She's kind of miscast in, in what's supposed to be a pretty dramatic and serious role. And I think she's just I don't know. It just doesn't work. And her and Oscar Isaac have no chemistry and they're supposed to have some sort of sexual relationship throughout, which it, it just doesn't really work for me at all. Uh, but I did get to see, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I got to see Paul Schrader debut his most recent movie at the New York film festival this year um, called master gardener, which is a uh, better than the card counter. So if you want to go check that out, I don't actually know when it's releasing wide, but interesting film. Any other thoughts about ready player one guys? Uh, I saw that it came out in 2018 and for me it felt like that movie came out in like 2014 or something uh, it just feels like so long ago but it's actually not as far back as I thought yeah I agree with that dude 2018 seems kind of too recent for that that, that is weird COVID man messed up all of our sense of time I think mm-hmm. well I guess it feels we like can... over 10 years over sure Gosh, it does. It, it, it definitely feels old, but I think, and I can use this to begin our conversation about the Fablemans, but 
Spielberg as of late has has kind of just really forgettable when he directs a movie. It's kind of like you could have told me that someone else directed Ready Player One and I probably would have believed you just as much. And and the same thing with a lot of these, especially his 2010s movies. Um, But just kind of looking back, I think Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull might have been that breaking point in 2008. He takes a three-year break after that and he makes The Adventures of Tintin and Warhorse, which both fine movies, but just like, if you think like Spielberg, it's kind of like, I don't know. And then obviously he does Lincoln, which is a huge epic about, you know, a revered character in, or person in American history. And obviously it's Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, being Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, but then you get like Bridge of Spies, The BFG, The Post, Ready Player One, and West Side Story, where it's like those movies all had like good pieces in them and good actors. And it's still directed by Steven Spielberg, but I would say most of them are just pretty forgettable over the last, like you could, there's so many better movies that have come out. Whereas like, if you said Steven Spielberg in the late nineties, early two thousands would always be probably directing the best movies of the year. Whereas like, these are very mid tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's hard to stay elite. It's hard to keep that magic, I think. But, uh, yeah, I said we go in. Is that like what you think is a similar vibe for the Fablemans, or is it a little bit different? I yeah, I don't know. The Fablemans, it just doesn't work on me quite in the same way. I personally think the look of it is not great. Uh, you can see this in the trailers, but it's got this super contrasty, dark kind of color grade to it. That, but I don't know. I just don't think it looks good. I think his the west side story too like the way his like shadows and his darks and it's just very muddy and i just don't love the way some of his newer films look whereas like the older stuff is a lot more natural and bright where this seems like a very distinct uh look to it uh the fablemans i gotta say it's about his childhood so you can't really like like be too mad about story beats or like character decisions if those things actually happened, right? Like that was a conversation me and I were having where it's like, you can't be upset that something happens in a movie if like that's really how his life went. Like he can't control that. Um, I will say I feel bad for him. It seems like he had a bit of a rough childhood and especially with, you know, his parents, something that's been made very clear over the course of many of his movies. But I think this is the most intimate and the most direct, you know, observation of what his childhood like and, and what it was like to, have you know a, a mom who was having an extramarital relationship with somebody um and, and kind of how that impacts a family and when it comes to just like him basically you know in, being in love with movies like yeah i love movies too but this dude's really obsessed throughout i don't know <laughs> um i i will say uh i think the actor who plays him is is pretty short like steven spielberg is like five eight but i'm pretty sure this dude might be like five five so shout out to the short kings for this one this is this is one for vano vano oh vano was <laughs> that why Spielberg made this movie for all the short kings out there i think he did for the short kings <laughs> best way to do it but yeah that is interesting i think it's kind of ironic that you know the movie about his movie making is shot terribly supposedly well like <laughs> yeah, it really looked, like i think that it, it's shot good. well like it's steven spielberg he knows how to frame a shot and move a camera but in terms of the color it doesn't work on me michelle williams is an interesting case because the first half of the movie i was like this is really bad whatever she's doing it it gets better and i think she kind of settles into the character a little bit but it's almost like over characterized when he's really young i was gonna add on michelle williams i believe that's who uh 
uh, Carter picked for one of his. Uh, well, he picked her for support, best supporting best actress. Supporting actress. What do you think? Do you think she's up for it? Well, no, because she's. They've like already sub- said that they're submitting her for best actress. Actually, so <laughs> oh, screws Carter a little bit there. But to me, like she, she is the highest build in this movie. But I don't know if she's really the lead actress. I think that's probably going to count against her. She's going to be competing against Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. I think Kate Blanchett is going to win the award easily. So, hey, yeah, there's, sleeper mean, pick there's Seth so Rogen for supporting actor. Who knows? Is he in this movie? Yeah, he is. Oh, shit. See, I didn't even I know that. I don't want to spoil his role, but he's great. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think best actress will be hard to even squeak into a It's a very strong category this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah. It's kind of not surprising. I feel like we were saying the same thing with West Side Story. Where it's like, oh, that that came out last year. That like I barely remember it, but it was still a good movie. But just not that same magic, I think, which is what you were talking about earlier. So yeah, I'll probably still check it out. But my expectations are low, so that's a good. Thing. Uh, like I said earlier, and I haven't really seen as many Steven Spielberg movies as I probably should have. I have like a bunch on my list and then I just never get around to it because I'm watching something else. But yeah, like Ready Player One is actually the most recent Spielberg movie I've seen. Uh, I don't know. I guess like you see his old work and then I know that it's different and I appreciate whether it be musicians or filmmakers that make what they want to make. It's kind of hard because then you have that bar that you expect out of that. And then when it doesn't reach it, even if it's not a bad movie, it's just like, well, but I enjoyed Saving Private Ryan better or, you know, it's not as classic as like Jurassic World is. So, you know, I guess that can be part of, uh, you know, part of the challenges of uh, maintaining success, especially for someone that's as acclaimed as Spielberg is. That's that's actually a really good point. I mean, <laughs> the past couple episodes, I, I've been calling the guy washed constantly. But I mean, it's hard to create like an amazing thing like more than ten times, and he's probably done that to be fair. So maybe we should cut the guy slack just on our expectations for his movies because I mean, most of these are still like you know positive productions and stuff. Maybe it's not you know what our expectations you know expect of every movie of his. But yeah, he's obviously. I mean, he's got to be like an all-time top three, top five director, I'd say. Maybe kind of some slack. I, I like that point a lot. When you set the bar so high and so early and you're yeah. so influential to so many other people in the industry, it's hard to stay at that peak of success, for sure. Nobody is nobody's immune to, to making a bad movie either. You know, he's made plenty of, you know, tough decisions over the years. The, the Crystal Skull thing we talk about. You mentioned you said Jurassic World instead of Park, but funny enough, even like Jurassic World, he handpicked Colin Trevero to like take over that franchise, and I I think those movies are not very successful. So you know, everybody makes mistakes. I, I would say that's not his fault. Though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not necessarily saying that. Like, I've never been the biggest Jurassic World fan, but I don't know. I kind of like that in Indiana Jones. I just kind of like, or no, not Indiana Jones, sorry, but. uh no, I just like for whatever reason, Jurassic World just like popped in my mind. It's like you know people revere that movie. So yeah, um, I have a couple final points and thoughts about Spielberg that I just want to hit and get you guys' quick reactions to. So first one, we do have a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, Indy Five, 
Uh, they've been releasing some photos recently. I don't know if you guys have seen some Mads Mickelson set photos. They also, I think recently I saw that they're de-aging Harrison Ford for the opening of the movie, at least. Um, but mm. according to Harrison Ford, it's the best he's ever seen. So uh, just want to get your guys' thoughts on Indy 5. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm excited for it, but I'm definitely not. Shia LaBeouf's not coming back, so that's sad. No, no more swinging from vines. Yeah, you know, hopefully there's no aliens in this one. Mads Mikkelsen, I, I generally like him as an actor. I believe he's playing a Nazi, if I had uh, seen that correctly. So, you know, I guess kind of going back to the old Raider days, bringing back them as the villains, even though it's like set in the 60s, I think. So it doesn't entirely make sense. But, yeah, the my general thoughts, I'm not excited. <laughs> I appreciate Indiana Jones as a franchise for what it is, but it never like grabbed me like it did for other people. I feel like growing up, uh, you get so, you get things that you get like either whether it be games or TV shows or movies that you kind of like cling to, and that's like your childhood. And uh, for me, that was Star Wars. So you know, I I always did Star Wars over Indiana Jones or like Lord of the Rings, for example. Um, but so I'm not I'm not gonna watch it. Hope it's good for the people that do. But from what you guys have been talking about, it doesn't seem like that may be the case. <laughs> well, you know, it's he's not obviously he's not doing Indy Five. It's uh, James Mangold who directed Logan and did Ford versus Ferrari. So like for that reason, I, I'm hopeful at least. No, Maybe. I'm sure all the dads that grew up with it are gonna appreciate it if he did Ford v Ferrari too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Logan's a good movie. <laughs> no, Logan's great, but Ford v Ferrari. If like I, if I had to pick like a um, dad movie, that would be up there. Like my dad saw it and was like, "That was a great movie." I like <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> That's fair. That that is true. I I like the movie, but I I can be in dad mode sometimes, so I understand. Do you guys the the movie The Terminal is about you know Tom Hanks plays he does like a weird foreign accent, but you know it's yeah, not the really real him. guy from. Iran just died. The real guy just died. Christian, are you familiar yeah. with that? I'm not. I've never seen the terminal. So, well, so the, th- the thing about the terminal is the movie is, you know, he arrives in New York and then he, because of a conflict in his home country, essentially he loses his ability to enter the country, but he also can't go back to his country. So he has to stay in the airport. <laughs> they based it on this real life guy. The reality with him is honestly, he was dealing with some underlying mental health issues where like he was offered a lot of different opportunities to be granted access to like the country of France and Switzerland was going to grant him access and the UK was going to give him citizenship. And he, cause he was actually trapped in the Paris airport, not the New York airport. He was like, he was given all these opportunities to leave, but his whole thing, he just like, didn't want to leave the airport. He just like liked living there. And eventually he did move out, but then like a couple months ago, he went back and he had, he had lived there for like many years just in an airport because like they couldn't remove him legally, but he had returned after some time away from it and he, he got to die there. And I guess that's good for him at least. It you know, was something that he got to return to in his final days, but kind of a sad story. Not really the best thing to make a movie about. The movie probably doesn't you know play in the same way in 2022. You probably get somebody with, you know, that's not, tom hanks to play the role potentially the terminal is also like a love story yeah. which is weird the terminal is kind of strange i think the real life story is is a lot more interesting than the, the movie adaptation if i'm being completely honest 
but yeah, rip that guy. He did have a crazy story. And like you said, I, I guess that's cool. You know, he got to go back there. <laughs> I don't really know what his situation was like recently. But um, yeah, cultural icon, Gonzo. My, uh, my last thought is that Lincoln gave us Jeremy Strong. It wasn't his first movie, but it was definitely one of his very early strong performances. So uh, Cody, did you know Jeremy Strong was in Lincoln? I don't think so. I, I always think of first time I saw him, um, always the big short. I recognize that that mug from anywhere, but I'm sure he had like ridiculous outfit and maybe like a long beard. Oh, yeah. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I don't, I don't think Lincoln's a great movie. I think it's a great performance. Um, great I kind guy. Of the movie. When, I, when I watched the movie, I was thoroughly bored. Um, <laughs> but Daniel Day-Lewis is, is unbelievably good. So you know it's it's got its pros and cons here's the thing though we don't know what lincoln was like is he good maybe he's really bad as abraham lincoln <laughs> true i mean I, I don't know the guy personally sadly you know uh johnny johnny booth took away that opportunity but uh he seems like a decent guy but what do i joseph gordon levitt robert lincoln there you go <laughs> couldn't have told you that I couldn't name anybody else in the cast for Daniel Day Lewis. Sally Field, Tommy Lee Jones, James Spader. Wow. Sounds like Captain America's first Avenger. Tim right? Blake Nelson, Lee Pace. Lee Pace, yeah. Nice. Wouldn't I guess that right there? All right, guys. I think that was the end of our cap chat number two. Christian, had a lot of fun, man. Appreciate you doing that with us. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Now we'll uh, we'll move on to our next category, which is actually very similar in the same vein of it's called We Have a Podgrithm. So, so we're going to draw the actual movie cards from the uh, blockbuster movie game. We do have the expansion pack for season four. But the way this works is we draw a card, it says a movie on it, and you, it's a timed thing. So you have 30 seconds to give a hot take, to give your opinion. The movie is A Quiet Place. Ooh, I like this new, uh, this new pack. Cody, you want to start? Sure. I've been starting all episode. Might as well not stop now. A Quiet Place, you know, directed by my guy, John Krasinski. Uh, you know, I do think he's a good director. I, I do prefer him behind the camera um, instead of in front of it. I feel like it is a bold take um, because he is a decent actor as well, other than Multiverse of Madness. Um, but uh, yeah, quiet place. We were pretty quiet in the theater. I saw it with you, Carbon, and it was a it was a good time. Top racks. Four stars. We saw the first one together. Did we? Yeah, because I haven't seen the second one. So oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's on Paramount Plus, I think. But <laughs> I don't know. All, All right. right, go ahead, Christian. What do you think? With the hype that a quiet place had, I felt like everyone was talking about it when it came out, or at least to me, and like. You know, you see people mentioning, I know, like, as we were talking about earlier with horror, like, doing something different. I know it's definitely different, but honestly, it didn't really grab me as much as it probably did other people. And that didn't help that A Quiet Place 2 was just bad. Damn. I I actually personally, do, <laughs> I'll, I'll hop in here with, with my thing. I uh, think The Quiet Place Part 2 is pretty decent. Uh, it definitely is forgettable in that it kind of came out right it was like one of the first movies besides tenet that i saw back at the movie theaters in late 2021 or mid early 2021 um but i don't think it's that bad 
it's definitely different from the first movie and it has to take, you know, some different conventions. Uh, but I agree. I think John Krasinski getting to focus on directing that movie is much better. I will say it's been reported recently that Lupita Nyong'o is going to be starring in the A Quiet Place Day One prequel spinoff that will be uh, written and directed by Michael Cernoski, who did The uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the the future of that. I mean, Lupita in a new scary movie. I'm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Always game for that. I think in the second one, Jean Hansu is in it. Am I wrong there? You know who that is, Corey? Jean Hansu. We've talked about him in the past. Uh, I believe he's in it. So shout out that guy. Jean, he's in Guardians. Great guy. You're talking about the guy from NBA 2K12? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever his name. 2K that is. (laughs) His name's Jean. Respect it. It's a great name. I know, I know who you're about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays yeah. one of the Ravager guys or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, respect. It, respect but... to Blood Diamond. <laughs> if, you, exactly. if you told me Blood Diamond guy. Oh, <laughs> I should have. Robbed of a nom in that movie, to be honest. But, yeah. True. Well, let's move on to our final category, recommendations. What have we been into? I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! Christian, do you want to recommend anything to the people? I mean, I hear you've been on a bit of a, a Kubrick kick. You know, Kubrick, I'm going to recommend one movie from it because, you know, I feel like this is what I thought was my biggest surprise when I was watching through all of his movies. Looking through his, you know, just the list of films that he's done, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, all those are considered, you know, certified classics but the one that surprised me the most was Barry Lyndon if you guys have heard of that one I was I was like Kubrick doing a like historic biopic I don't know like period piece like it's weird but I was captivated the entire time I was watching it it's like I did not know that they could make a story set in the seven years war about dude pretty much moving from being you know just a regular like farm boy type beat from i from uh i think it was it's either ireland or scotland to uh you know uh rolling with the aristocrat and the upper class and kind of seeing his fall from that as well but uh i shows to me that kubrick when he puts his mind to it, he really can do anything. Like I had had a great time watching it. I was like, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. So that's what I'm going to shout out. Shout out uh, Barry Lyndon from uh, by Stanley Kubrick. And then another really quick one, just because I thought it was kind of funny thinking about it. So have you guys seen Eyes Wide Shut? Yep. So <laughs> I was watching that in the living room and uh, <laughs> I was like, so, you know, two of my roommates were out late at work. So I was just like praying that when they got home, it wasn't during, because I got to the like mansion scene for those that know what's happening in there. And I was like, oh my God, uh, I'm gonna, it's not going to be a fun conversation to explain if they walk in. Nobody walked in, yeah. Weird cult, cultist sex plot going and, uh, Another thing for people they don't know is the last uh, word spoken in a Kubrick movie 
ever is let's fuck. So I'm going to end it there. <laughs> Respect. Great place to end it. <laughs> uh, I'll jump in uh, with, with some wrecks. First thing uh, I want to talk about is Cody, Christian, have you guys seen a movie called Fever Pitch? I don't think so. It sounds so it's, familiar. It's, a, it's the Jimmy Fallon baseball rom-com. So it's about Jimmy Fallon nope. what and the Drew. Fuck is that? <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Fallon is the world's biggest Red Sox fan. Oh, and Drew Barrymore is like a journalist and they fall in love, but the Red Sox get in between them. And it's set during 2003, that during that season. And yeah, just uh it aired on MLB Network. And so then I like recorded it and watched it because I wanted to check it out. Jimmy Fallon, Red Sox movie. I thought it'd be funny. And uh, it was laughably bad. There's a reason oh. he does not act. <laughs> Tough. Was there a lot of fake laughter in it? There is a lot of fake, fake laughing in his own jokes, mostly. <laughs> um, another, another classic, Hancock, guys. Have we seen that? Oh, yeah. I kind of like that movie, Loki. It's not bad. It's not that bad. Well, you know, I didn't know Charlie. I didn't know Charlie's Theron was in it, which I was pleasantly surprised by that. But oh yeah, big part. Yeah, big part. I there's a part of the movie, like there's parts of the movie that I really liked, and then parts that I just like thought were really not working. I think when you look at it in context, it's like this anti superhero movie where like Will Smith literally in the movie like sees a bunch of comic books and it's like homos 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 like and doesn't want to dress like him and i think when you think about it being like released in 2008 and that's also the year that the dark knight and iron man came out and then you think about like the way superhero movies go in the next 14 years is like very much not in the direction of hancock i think this kind of ages pretty poorly as like a representation of, of what the future is so i think it just kind of comes at the wrong time a little bit um maybe a little later and you rewrite the script a little bit and it can be a cool commentary on what superhero movies have become where you do it a little bit earlier and it fits in a little bit more of that like early cynicism where we don't want to like be too comic book silly um, and be super self-serious. A little strange that basically Hancock is is like cucking Jason Bateman in this movie, but um, I guess we'll, we'll end it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like Bateman, it, Cody? He doesn't get the, the best part of that, you know, I'd say. But Hancock... That's an okay movie. Uh, I'd watch that right now. I, I enjoyed the beginning of it. It has a cool, you know, it's it we've but the thing is we've seen like something I talked about in the last episode of being back into the boys again, like the asshole superhero and what that looks like now and the way you can play up into those tropes in, in a modern world. I think that's like a lot more successful than what Hancock is trying to do, I guess. Yeah. For example. It's definitely very it's not like the leader of its trope i would say but you know it, it, it's mid-tier in there it's not yeah. terrible then uh just to wrap things up on saturday or last saturday i did get to have a big movie marathon day uh, i saw five movies in theaters so i'll just run through those real quickly you know some potential oscar contenders new films out so the first one was the inspection which is a new a24 movie it's essentially about a homosexual man who goes into the military the performances make this movie for me the the story itself it kind of almost gets into like let's make the military gay and it's still like propaganda and i don't know it, it it's just kind of sad at the end that someone felt like they had to join the military just to you know have a little bit of a purpose in their life and and kind of the systems that have failed them outside of that 
um, were not available to him. But Gabriel Union's great in it. Jeremy Pope, who is the the main character, is awesome. Um, and there's just a couple other people that kind of pop up that you would recognize from other stuff. The other cool thing about it is that there's in the opening of the movie, he he takes a train into Jersey City, where I live right now. And it's shot like at the train station that I drop me off every day. And then he like walks down the very street that like not even being labeled. I just recognize as like a street I drive down every single day, which is pretty cool uh, to see in a movie. And uh, it's just one of the cool things kind of about being here where in out in the East coast where a lot of movies are set. Um, And then after that, my favorite movie of the day I saw was bones and all starts Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. It's uh, Luca Guadagnino's, most recent collaboration with Timothy Chalamet. Obviously, he did Call Me By Your Name with Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet, which is kind of what makes this ironic. They're making a cannibal movie. Obviously, there's the connection of Army Hammer may or allegedly may be a cannibal or at least likes to fetishize the thought of being a cannibal um, in his sex life. To me, what this movie is about is about addiction. And I think it's a really cool allegory for addiction. And particularly, it's set in rural America, they kind of travel throughout Virginia and Ohio and Kentucky. And there's a scene where the first scene where Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell meet takes place in Indiana, which is another cool connection of just like, you know, this, this is very, this Midwestern rural aesthetic takes place in a lot of trailer parks. It's very set in America and in the way that kind of addiction has, you know, troubled the, the American rural society. Cool movie, little bit, not one to watch while you're eating stuff not one for the queasy people. Uh, and, and Mark Rylance has a, a pretty creepy performance in it as well. She said, which I'll just say right off the bat, like as a movie, maybe doesn't work super successfully because you're trying to make something that isn't inherently cinematic, like taking phone calls and writing an article is inherently cinematic, but you're trying to make a movie about it. But it is a very important story and it's very important to recognize that Harvey Weinstein is an awful person and this movie is about the article written by the New York Times reporters that were initially exposed his sexual mis- uh, you know, wrongdoings over the course of many years in Hollywood and, and kind of the, the greater issues in Hollywood. Definitely an important story as a movie, maybe doesn't work super well, but again, has great performances. Carrie Mulligan um, is fantastic in it. Talked about the Harvey, or talked about the Fablemans already. Decent movie. And then the final one was The Menu which uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is really good in. And then uh, Ralph Fiennes and Nicholas Holt also. Ralph Fiennes is really solid. Um, Congrats, Cody. He has a nose in this movie, which I appreciate. (laughs) It's obviously the metaphor is very clear with what they're going for. It's it's an eat the rich thing. It's literally called The Menu. It's not as effective as another movie that has similar themes in Triangle of Sadness that came out earlier this year. I like that movie a little bit better. I like the way it handles um, some things with power dynamics that this one doesn't quite get into as much. Um, But this one is more effective as like a comedy and I think would be more enjoyable to probably sit down and watch for the average audience. It's a little bit shorter. It has a lot of these fun faces. John Leguizamo plays a really... Uh, just like a fun character that that's great throughout Hong Chow is in it. And she's also going to be appearing in the whale later this year with Sadie Sink and, and Brendan Fraser. So you can uh, look out for that as well. Nice. So those were my Big movies. Movie day we got through it. Big that's movie awesome. day. Do you think you'll ever, it's a little bit of an art. Yeah. Do you think you'll go higher than five? I see. So five was tough. I did start at 9am and then we, but we yeah. got out of the last movie at 
like 9.30. So I could have, I could have seen another one. I, there was more oh, showings oh, at 10 and 11. So uh, it, it, we could have done more. I, I think five was maybe pushed. I think four is really good because it allows me to move between different movie theaters and kind of see the city a little bit. With five, I, I did stay in one location for most of it. But it's definitely, if you guys ever need me to plan you a day full of movies, I, I know exactly how to time everything out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll hit you up when, uh, when it comes up. Also, you could have just done a nightcap Wakanda forever. Just finish it off with a three-hour bomb <laughs> to like 2 a.m. Uh, well, that that's yeah. the other thing because like the Fablemans is a pretty long movie and Bones and All is over two hours. So like with shorter movies, there would be a potential that I, I could maybe get more in as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> you just got to get like a couple animated ones one day. <laughs> get the kids' movies involved too. But yeah, great Rex. Um, what's the, sure what's the clip die. of the week, Cody? Eddie, I didn't sleep with your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, that's very interesting, you know, because that's exactly what someone who slept with her would say. <laughs> this is nuts. This is crazy. She came over for like two minutes, dropped off a fish tank, and left. End of story. Where's Buddy? Buddy? <laughs> My fish, Buddy. There was no fish when she dropped it off. It oh, was... this is this is unbelievable. I mean, first, 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 first you sleep with my ex-girlfriend, then you insult my intelligence by lying about it, and then you kill my fish, my buddy. I wrecked for this week. Like I said, gonna keep it quick. Uh, we basically recorded back-to-back uh, days. Um, so I actually only consumed one uh, piece of media in between. And last night, I watched Isle of Dogs, which I did mention earlier in this film <laughs> yeah i think the the big thing is the cast it's it's the voice cast for me you got brian cranston basically in the lead you got great roles um from goldblum from bill murray um jason schwartzman pretty much just like all of his normal people as well scar joe's in it really fun cast the animation's great i mean it's wes anderson so it's gonna be you know symmetrical and everything it's going to look really good. The story's okay. There's some beats. Greta Gerwig's character is kind of useless. She's like an exchange student that doesn't really need to be there. But I really like like the emotional tones with like family stuff and the Kobayashi regime. But uh, I definitely say check it out. And uh, if you're a Wes Anderson fan, definitely check it out as well. But other than that, I did two other small things. I mentioned in the last episode that uh, you know, the World Cup was going on. The U.S. sadly did draw with Wales today. So we're not looking good. We'll keep you up <laughs> on World Cup watch. But uh, right now we're on suicide watch, basically. So uh, stay tuned. And then lastly, um, not to spoil our, you know, next upcoming episode, but I did check out check out Contactless again. And the episode's again, already out. And again. <laughs> It is out, and I'll tell you what, I'm putting the work in. Um, I think I think today just alone, I probably watched like three or four times. Uh, really just trying to capture as much ambience as I can and, you know, try and take everything out of every shot that I can. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be a banger episode, and uh, I'm excited to get it out to you guys. But, yeah, just want to give you a sneak peek there. Christian, if you don't know, Contactless is the short film that I directed um, <laughs> last year at Purdue. We're, I'm making Cody do a, a whole episode on it because he lost a trivia battle in an earlier episode <laughs> that we did. My goal for you, Cody, is to have you watch it more than I did when I was actually editing it. So, <laughs> so That might take a while, but uh, I, I think I can make it happen.
Well, this has been a fun one, boys. Uh, some great wrecks yeah. there and, and some great cap chatting was had. Christian, thanks so much for coming on the pod, man. Big shout Thank out. You Appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. That's well, awesome. definitely. Uh, getting to talk movies with people. Yeah. We, we always love chatting with movies and it, it's great to talk to you again, Christian. It's great to keep the connection going and we'll, we'll definitely have you back again in the future. And unless IU beats Purdue on in football, then, <laughs> then you're done. Well, they, well, you know, maybe. <laughs> I, I've already I think your chances to come back are pretty high. <laughs> I, low bar. <laughs> low bar. There we go. And uh, I guess, you know, shout out, shout out Big Ten Sports. Check them out, right, Christian? <laughs> yeah, going to get to work my first IU men's basketball game this Wednesday. So pretty excited for that. It's dope. Be- on the bar. Like, yeah. good stuff oh. good stuff well everybody thanks for listening and we'll uh, catch you in the next one stick gapping what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it